Welcome back to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. This is episode number 210 with Matt Shep Shepard. And we t- we chatted, I think it was 205. So this is kind of a continuation of a very recent episode. Let me double check, make sure I gave you guys the right one. But basically, in that episode, we talked about um, Shep's quest to really become an excellent uh, backyard ultra racer and six day ultra. So he's really into these really cool, unique, um, almost like underground events in the ultra running community still, uh, which is awesome and something that I find completely fascinating. And when we got done recording that episode, I remember he was like, yeah, dude, I'm going to take on the Canadian six day record. And I was like, what does that even mean? <laughs> and, he, and he explained it and we got into some further details. And then like a couple weeks later, he took it on. And that's what this episode's about. It's about his experience attempting to break the Canadian six-day record. So we're going to get into all of that. And man, he had quite quite the experience through it, quite the adventure. Um, I guess you could almost say misadventure. He started day one in a torrential downpour. Like the track has puddles of water on it. It is raining that hard for an entire day, Um, which is which once again, just put in perspective is one sixth of the event, (laughs) which is just crazy to me. and ultimately, he didn't quite reach the the record. He didn't break it, and and it's just an interesting idea of uh, using this experience, which you know you could either look at as um, a giant roadblock, or you could look at as part of the journey and the thing that's going to kind of push you to eventually reaching your goal and it's going to make it that much sweeter to be honest but it's something that i always love and it's this uh cycle of failure and it's something in education we try to get the kids to experience because it's such a powerful learning tool Um, but it's the idea of making an attempt learning from the attempt adjusting and then making another attempt and it's something i like to tie to just scientific inquiry um, and the inquiry cycle where basically you're doing an investigation. Um, it might not go exactly as planned. In fact, most of the times it doesn't, you make your adjustments. Um, you learn something from it, whether or not it was what you expected to learn going in. And, and now you, you are able to, you know, do a, do a, a new study based off that knowledge, which you learned. And that's how science works. And something as a science teacher, I could totally go into, but I'm not going to in this intro. (laughs) Um, so yeah, Shep's awesome, man. I could honestly talk to him for hours and hours. So he's going to come back on the podcast at some point. And I know I'm super excited for that. And it was funny. I was texting him because we recorded this a couple weeks ago. Um, Which, by the way, I have a bunch of these recorded. So at least next week I'm putting two out um, because I do have them recorded. And I kind of always feel bad after having like an amazing conversation with an amazing guest and then being like, hey, man, this isn't going to come out for two months. (laughs) So, uh, So, yeah. But anyways, he texted me. He's like, dude, I don't remember what we talked about. 
but I remembered it was super fun. And I was like, yeah, that's what I remember too. So, uh, yeah, let's dive right in guys. This is the like a Bigfoot podcast number 210 with Shep, Matt Shepard. All right, guys, I'm back here with Shep, uh, Matt Shepard. I want to talk to him about six days in the north, which was his um, record-breaking attempt. And six days of running is just bananas to me. Um, but we were just talking about coffee because he's sitting in a coffee shop right now. And you said you just drink espresso. What's up with that, man? Oh, yeah. So like my buddy Travis, he has a coffee shop here in Valley View. Valley View is a very small community, very tight knit. Um, and so he has this coffee shop. It's the, the best, I mean, it's the best coffee in the area for sure. And, uh, and so, you know, I'm here pretty regular. It's internet is difficult to come by. So they've got free internet and the best coffee. So it's like, you know, the, the, uh, triple threat. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so the espresso machine, uh, you know, he's, he kind of taught me, I, I used to have a little coffee shop back in the day. Uh, my father and I had this little coffee business. So I learned how to use a, an espresso machine back then. And then he taught me a lot of like neat little tricks to, to make it even better. So you just kind of like, um, you know, as you practice, you're making all these espressos and so you just start drinking them and it just kind of, you know, you develop a taste. And like, once you have that, um, you know, particular brand of coffee that you, you drink on the daily. If you deviate from that, it's, it's never quite the same as your home cup, right? Like, uh, and so like, because I spend so much time here, this is my home cup. And so anytime I go anywhere else, it's like, you know, you just, you, you, or you have that ache for that home cup and it's just so delicious. Yeah, man. Well, what, what's too much coffee for you? Ooh, um, about four shots of espresso in a day is probably where I draw the line. If I go over that, then I'm, I'm going to be like, just vibrating. Yeah. 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 I'm that way too, man. I'll have it in the morning and my first period class will come in middle schoolers at like seven 30 and I'm like, Hey guys, like too much energy. <laughs> and then, uh, if I drink some after lunch though, like I can't focus, it's too much. And I'm like, Whoa, Whoa. Did, I'm trying to like go through my lesson and I'm like, did I already say that guys? Like, I don't know. So anyways. <laughs> yeah. No, I like, I usually have two cups in the morning. Um, I like my coffee as a cortado. It's kind of like a, a super compressed uh, cappuccino. So like okay. equal parts espresso. And then um, I'm not, I don't do dairy or I try to limit the amount of dairy that I take in. So I usually go with like a coconut milk, like a really creamy, creamy, like from the can coconut Ooh. milk. Um, yeah, so it's like a coconut cortado. That we call it the, sh- the chef espresso. <laughs> what? Uh, so I want to get into six days in the north, but like you talked about, like limiting caffeine use before it, and then before any event, and then once the event starts, uh, I'm assuming you're drinking coffee that morning just to get like super amped, right? Yeah. So like I, I tend to if I know I'm going to be doing an event where I'm going to have to like. Uh, be careful about how I sleep. Then I, mm-hmm. I do a, a caffeine taper just because that way the caffeine, when I do take it in, I can take in less, um, and, and get like a relatively strong effect. So in the, like two or three weeks out, I'll start, you know, limiting the amount that I take in. And then like the week prior, I'll maybe have like one or two coffees that whole week. Um, 
And then, you know, also like I, I'm not a soda drinker, so I'm not taking in caffeine anywhere else. Generally, I'm, that, that way I've, I've had like supplements that have caffeine and I'm like tailwind. Um, so, you know, that way I can, when I do take in that, I can take in a limited amount of that and still get that good kick from it without like taking a ton. Because I find if I take in a lot of caffeine or like a significant amount of coffee while I'm running, um, my nutrition will lack because I don't, I don't digest as well, I think. Mm. Um, just, you know, maybe that's personal to me or maybe other people experience that as well. But um, yeah, if I drink a lot of coffee, then with anything that I'm eating is, has, it's a little bit more difficult to digest for me. So um, if I can limit the amount of caffeine that I'm taking in, then it, then I can, you know, perform a little bit better. So just, you know, those are just kind of the little things that you learn about your body as you, you go through these, you know, long multi-day events, you kind of take note and try to get better each time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so that kind of leads in like, let's talk about six days in the North. I know after we got done talking the first time you brought this idea up and I was like, wow, what a cool goal for, you know, the next couple of years. And you're like, no, 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 I'm doing it in like a month. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, that one was like, you know, I kind of had it in my mind that I wanted to do a six day. And so I had, I was kind of looking at six days in the dome, um, in Milwaukee, but with, you know, the ongoing, crisis that it didn't look positive that was going to happen so I thought okay well I could run my own event like what what would that take um so I still I did a bit of research and just kind of like looked in what what I would need to do and um it was difficult finding a venue uh until I reached out to the city of Grand Prairie who has a they have a certified track because that's that was one of the big things that I ran into is not having anywhere that was certified like Mm -hmm. already measured so either I would have to bring in um a professional to measure a track uh, or I'd have to find one that was already measured. So that, that was pretty neat to be able to, to get connected with the city of Grand Prairie. Uh, it's only about an hour away. So they had a track and they let us use it. So that was definitely the biggest hurdle. And so once we had that, it was like I had been already at the peak of my build um, for about three weeks. So it was like, you know, it's, it's tiresome running when you're running at that volume uh, trying to maintain fit just maintain your fitness level. Um, so it was like, you know, we hit the build and, and so we were like, now it's the time I felt my body felt very ready. I was excited that, you know, the, the kilometers that I was putting in, they felt really great. So it was like, let's pull the trigger. Let's do this now. And it just, uh, yeah, the timing, it came, it came very quickly. Um, we put it all together and, and, uh, we were on the road, like in, within two or three weeks of, of finding a venue. Dang, man. Well, what does, what does the peak for a six day event look like? Because if you're going by like quote unquote marathon training advice, you know, where they're like run 20 miles or 22 miles before the marathon, then technically you'd be running like four and a half days before a six day. And I know for a fact you didn't do that. So, so what does that look like? No. Uh, so like, I do heart rate based training and it's really, it's convenient in that you don't have to, um, if you're kind of like looking at the amount of stress that you put on your body, um, you don't have to do four days just to get the benefit of being able to, once you can do, if you can do a day, you can do six days. Um, you know, you just take it a little bit at a time. So yeah. That's like like the uh, people who are like, you did 50 miles. You can easily, easily do a hundred miles now. And you're like, what? (laughs) It, I mean, really, honestly, once you have the hang of it, it's, it's all about balance from there. It's like, 
you know, if you, if you jump, you ever done a slack line before? Yeah. Yeah. I have one in my yard over jagged rocks because that's the only oh, place smart. in my yard. I can, yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> it's like that little extra, um, motivation to not fall. <laughs> um, but yeah, you get on a slack line the first couple of times you, you fall off, but once you have it, you, you've mm. got it. You're like, okay, I can do this. It's same, you know, like riding a bike, you fall off a few times, but once you, once you go you, five kilometers or 10 kilometers is really not a difference. So you know, once you look, once you've got it down and you know how to like maintenance your body on the go, like the limit is only where you decide it is like physically either you're going to, your body, your structural tolerance will break or mentally you'll break Gotcha. because the other two, once they, once you have them dialed in, they're done. Like you've, they're fixed. They're, they're not going to be any better, or any worse. Um, you know, it's just nutrition and your, and your aerobic capacity. So yeah. Uh, I kind of got off topic there. Yeah. So, so what, what was your peak? Like, what'd you do as like your number one, like hardest, maybe not even hardest, but longest, uh, training bef- beforehand. So for a couple of weeks prior to the race, I was doing, um, like six hour long runs, but I would do the, like the day before I would do a, like a higher intensity interval session of like, um, maybe zone two or zone three for 15 or 20 minutes for two or three rounds um, just to kind of like, so I'm, I'd be running for maybe, you know, an hour and a half at a little bit higher intensity the day prior. And then, and then follow that with a six hour long run gotcha. um, at just kind of an, a moderate pace. That way it kind of, that way when I start the, the long run, I would be, I'd feel the fatigue of the day prior. Um, and then also like you, you want to, incorporate other things into those longer training days because like i know i can go out and do a six hour long run but you know can i do a six hour long run if you know like let's say i you know it's great great uh idea here mike mcknight just did a, a like the zero calorie 100 miler insane so <laughs> cha- challenge yourself like that like yeah. okay this week we you know we last week we did the same thing we did a hour and a half of higher intensity and a six hour long run. It went well. So let's this week, let's do, um, let's do the intensity work at like 11 PM and then get up at 4 AM and start the, you know, so limit that little bit of sleep and then try to do it that way, you know, so add those little extra challenges because once you know, you can do it, it's like, okay, can I do it under this condition? Can I do it under, you know, how do I feel if I do it under this condition that way in the, in the future, if I'm either forced to be under a certain condition or, um, you know, something like out of my control, like weather, uh, or if I f- start feeling that particular feeling that I got from say, um, you know, let's say I went, I I'm not going to recommend this, but let's say, you know, you went without drinking water for three hours and then you started a six hour run already dehydrated. Um, if you, you would recognize that feeling of like, yeah. wow, this is very difficult. Um, you know, and then, you know, oh, it's because I haven't had any water. So then later, you know, you let's say you're in a race and you start feeling that feeling and you're like, oh, water check. Have I been taking it enough? Um, you know, like, so that's just kind of like a really easy example of, of the kind of the things that you learn by putting yourself in that position under a controlled environment so that you can really take note of how does that feel and how, how can I come back from that? Like, you know, you, when you're not in a race, you have the ability, you can stop and walk, you can you know, go to the grocery store and get a bottle of water, whatever, what, you know, whatever your problem is, you can solve it in the middle of your practice run. And then you know, okay, 
during a race, this is how I solve this mm, problem. That makes sense, man. Well, and I've, I've I, even told people, you know, I can tell in my body when I'm dehydrated from lack of water or when I'm lacking sodium or not, maybe not sodium, but like electrolytes or when I'm lacking food, it's like three different feelings. And, you know, when you first start doing endurance races, like you, you don't recognize that. So you're just like, I'm going to eat food. I'm going to drink water. I'm going to take electrolyte pills and you just throw it all in and you don't know what actually like cured it, quote unquote. And you might've actually done more damage. So once you have that skill, and I think that's super interesting, like intentionally going out there and testing those variables. Cause once you, once you recognize that and see how it feels, that's more important than any sort of measurable, like, you know, way you're measuring things in my opinion, because, you know, at, at the end of the day, you mentioned, uh, everyone has a different body and you're going to feel these things differently, you know? Oh yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's exactly what it is. You know, like practice what it, what it feels like to you and you know, like how, how does, how do you manage it? Because some people, you know, ginger is like their go-to, they love it. Um, but you know, some people it's not, you know, they, they use a Tylenol or whatever they're kind of, whatever they found that works best for them, like do that because you're the one running your race. So like, don't do what someone else is doing because it works for them. Um, like a really great example I like to use is my brother is, uh, allergic to peanut butter, but I eat it by the spoonful. You know, it's like, yeah. If, if he tried to do what I do, he, he would, you know, he would die. Yeah. So it, it's just re- really just goes to show that everybody is different and you got to like find what your body needs for when you're doing that. And so, and the only way to learn is to practice and do it and do it and do it until you kind of learn how, how does my body react to this? How does my body react to that? Yeah. Well, knowing what, you went through at least at the beginning of your six days in the North, you should have just trained by dumping buckets of water on your head, like every third, like third of a mile. Right. Oh my gosh. That was like, it seems to be like my, my game plan though. Like, uh, I think the reason that I won, uh, Calgary, the Calgary, the Millerville backyard outrun rare backyard in 2019 was because of how much rain there was. And I was just, accustomed to running in that like mucky rain and i had very strong legs so that's awesome man well hey before we get into that tell me about the record you were going after um you know because that was actually like really fascinating to me as well so can you kind of like give us the backstory on that yeah so um they call it pedestrianism so back in like the late 1800s uh six day races were like a you know a, a viewing event there was people that would come and they would pay to sit in the stands and watch these uh these runners run around in circles for six days yeah and to see who could go the furthest they called it pedestrianism and they have it would be a big event they'd be on the radio and like there'd be live bands and uh these these guys would run around and they would become so like it, I don't know if, I mean, I suppose life was probably just a bit more violent back then anyhow, but like there's stories of, you know, the contestants, uh, you know, punching each other and getting into fights and throwing things through windows. Like they, they become like sleep deprived and they have these crazy thoughts and they, so um, they would just get riled up and then they fight. And so it was like this big kind of event where 
you know, the things happened rather than just, you know, one guy going around. I'm just imagining like people slowly running, like barely faster than a walk and then throwing elbows at each other. <laughs> yeah. I imagine it was probably <laughs> something like that. Uh, but I mean, they, they did cover these huge distances. And so this particular record, this, uh, the Canadian national six day record, um, was the one that I was going for is 870 odd kilometers. Um, so it, I mean, it's, it was a journey. This guy definitely put up some work. It is a, it is a really, really long way to go in six days. Yeah, man. That's crazy. Did you end up coming close or breaking it or? No. Um, or is I, this step I, one of a journey to get there? <laughs> this is this is probably step three thousand of a journey <laughs> to get there. But um, no, I mean it's it's a it was definitely a great attempt. But we we ran into a lot of struggles uh, along the way. But we definitely we learned a lot. Um, it's just you know you you take it as a practice run and and we'll try again uh, on the next one. So like that's the game plan. We just reset take your lessons and, uh, and try again. And we'll just keep doing it until, I mean, I know, I know I'm going to, I have it in me. I just need to, you know, we just need to tune out all the mistakes until, uh, I mean, cause it's, you, you're pushing the boundaries of where human limit is known to be. So like, you know, you've got to, you've got to do it as very best as possible. And so, uh, you know, I'm still, I'm still new at the game and I'm definitely making some mistakes, but along the way, you know, you get this much better, that much better until eventually you can do it. It just takes a lot of, uh, it's going to take some perseverance. Yeah, man. Well, I love that. I I'm obsessed with the idea of like, and I don't even want to say failure. Cause I know that has such like a bad, a bad rap, like that word, but the cycle, my, my college professor uh, who taught me how to, how to teach science, um, he always talked about this like cycle of failure, basically. And he's like, that's what you know, science is, is you try something, it doesn't go perfectly. You might you know, make some unexpected discoveries or mistakes or stuff like that. And then you try it again with that new knowledge going in. And I just, especially with like an event, like a six day, when you can control so many factors. I mean, I know there's still some things completely out of control, like Canada just raining hell down upon you um, (laughs) at the very get go. Um, But but there's so many factors you can control that you can start recognizing where you made the mistakes and figuring out a game plan for those next time. Cause uh, I mean, and I want to get into it, but I bet there were like some unex, some things you didn't even expect that weren't even on your radar that, that came up. Uh, I mean, sorry, I'm in a coffee shop. <laughs> a little bit of background noise. <laughs> That's all right. Um, so yeah, like uh, we definitely, planning for july we thought that the weather was going to be good uh, but we could see as the days approached that it was definitely going to be pretty terrible as far as the rain in fact there was a, a record-breaking rainfall for the day in uh in grand prairie on the start so uh yeah i mean there's definitely something you can't really control so because so you, you have to you, know, you have to plan these things in advance you have to book the track um you know you have to get all of the timing equipment you know, that stuff is very expensive. They send it to you and you set it up. So you've got all this stuff planned. Um, You know, I had other runners coming in 
it's like to reset and, or push the date back would have been very inconvenient to, to a lot of people. And, uh, and so it was, it was kind of like, this is the, this is what you've got. You got to just kind of take it for what it is and, and do what you can. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, like other things that you can't control, like you don't think about like, um, uh, uh, there's this funny story for, from day, the morning of day two, where it just, it had just been raining all day, all night, um, on day one. It looked just, brutal, man. I was, I was looking at your Instagram thing and like the Instagram stories and I was just like, holy crap. Like the, how hard it, it wasn't just sprinkling. It was downpour like the whole entire oh day. yeah it was coming down in like it the sheets you know like when you can see the splash <laughs> yeah. of the rain hitting the ground like that's how hard it was coming down for hours and hours um but like they so they had just like done the turf in the in the field and so like all the channels that allow the water to drain into the drainage ditches um had been plugged with fresh sod so like the track flooded and like we just hadn't you know, you do, you don't think about those things. Um, and then, you know, once it's game day, you're, you're running, you're in the middle of it. And so you don't have the opportunity to, you know, address those things or they're going to cost you, it's going to cost you a significant amount of time. Um, but so it's like morning, it's late on day one. So early in the morning of, of what will become day two, but it's prior to nine. So technically the very tail end of day one and it stops raining. It's like um, three in the morning, just before three in the morning. And I'm out on the track and I'm running and I'm just, I'm thankful. I've been running for maybe like, I just got, like I took a little nap and I got up and I've been running for about 10 minutes and just loving the fact that it's like, oh, finally the rain is done. Yeah. Um, or at least there's a break. And then the sprinklers come on and they, <laughs> and like I said, they had just, uh, they had just redone this field. So all of the sprinklers are misaligned and they're shooting over the track and it's nighttime and I'm running and you can't see quite where the sprinklers are. And then until they hit you in the face and you're like, oh, oh, dude. like so for the next three hours, I, I ran through sprinklers <laughs> just going like, Oh my gosh, this event. <laughs> but that's another one. You, I mean, how could you have planned for that to But like mentally, that was a, that was a significant blow. Uh, to be from like three until six in the morning to be just running through sprinklers in, when uh -huh. it's no longer raining. You're like, I'm finally dry. This is going to turn out great. Oh. <laughs> oh, dude. Uh, yeah. Oh, the, it was, um, it was a challenge, but <laughs> we put it in the cookie jar. Yeah, definitely, man. Well, how do you even, how do you even attempt to stay dry in that kind of downpour? Um, I mean, it's pretty much a loss at that point. You just, you have to plan more frequent shoe changes. Yeah. Um, you know, time to take care of your feet to let them dry from them. If you can take your shoes off and, um, towel off your feet and put a dry powder on them and, uh, you know, new socks. And then if you have, like I had five different pairs of shoes, which was just fortunate. I, I had just ordered a bunch of shoes. So, um, I cycled through all of them and, and you know, until they were all wet. And then I just took grocery bags and put them on my feet just so that I, when I put on a dry sock and then put it in a wet shoe, at least it would stay dry for maybe like an hour Yeah. until the rain would run down my leg and soak the top of the sock, which would then soak into my foot. 
Oh my God, man. That's crazy. Well, what kind of like crew did you have helping? And I know you had other runners out there as well. Like how many people were involved in this event? So on site, we had just the three runners, myself and two other runners. And then I had um, Zeta, who's my handler. She comes to tell my races, well, most of my races and runs my crew. But so she was kind of wearing multiple hats for this one. She was, um, you know, making sure everything stayed charged because we had like a track view camera that was on a battery. Um, you know, we had like the timing systems, one of them, one of which was running on a generator. So she was like doing all of that cooking for everybody. Um, you know, trying to stay on top of media, social media, cause we had like streamed it live. So she was kind of the boots on the ground for a lot of stuff. Um, and then we had in the background, we had, uh, Todd, my father and, uh, Travis and Ashley who kind of ran, all of the social media background, the Facebook live updates, like they did all of that from their home in Calgary um, via Zoom. So that was like, as far as like the whole team, we probably had like five people and is, and just on the ground there at the, uh, at the track was just one, one steady person. Yeah. Well, how much of your brain, when you start, when a six days starts, how much of your brain is committed to those other parts of the event because like you mentioned if you're doing six days in the dome you wouldn't have to worry about any of that stuff you know and you wouldn't have had to spend the weeks ahead of times preparing every the whole event you would have just prepared yourself and so can you kind of like talk us through that whole like mental process kind of deal yeah uh so i mean there was a lot of background just to get things ready and uh and so it was nice to have like Travis and Ashley and Todd, and they all, um, you know, pitched in to help, you know, with the communication and trying to get everything organized. Um, and then once everything was like the, you know, the physical setup and just preparing for the rain, like we didn't arrive in Grand Prairie until the day prior, because that's when our, we had a, to get a permit in order to park the, uh, our trailer on site, um, to act as the aid station. And then it was like, okay, we, we have this crazy storm about to roll in. So, let's go and figure out how we're going to waterproof everything because, um, you know, we were yeah. running all of our, all of our internet was run off of mobile phones. Uh, and so, you know, some of them had to be out in the rain on the other side of the track where there's no shelter. So we had to like kind of organize that and we had you know, quite a few issues with that. And then just trying to maintain the generator and the timing and, and stay on top of all that, the batteries, it was a lot. And, you know, when you only have one person as crew, they're they're lacking sleep at just as much as the runners are um so it was like kind of a, a group effort of, of trying to stay on top of everything and you know i would like i would run a lap and and zeta would say something to me and then i would think on it and when i would come back i would give her an answer of like she's like the generator won't start okay like okay well, let's see what what could be the possible problem have you checked the fuel yeah check the fuel <laughs> one more lap uh have you you know is it choke on <laughs> one more lap. Oh, there it is. <laughs> you know, so like, yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely, I mean, it gave me something to think about, I suppose. But you know, it, that, it, that is true. Cause I think, uh, you know, possible boredom, I guess, which is weird to even say in like an athletic event, but like possible boredom, boredom could sink in, but you're solving, you're actively like solving problems while running. Yeah, exactly. Um, there was a lot of problem solving that was going on. Um, as, as well, we also had like, 
live live interviews with some athletes and and so things like that the updates so that was kind of like you know logistically looking forward to okay make sure that the camera's charged make sure that you know like we have everything we need so that when that goes off that you know that that runs well so yeah um, well i wanted to ask you about that they uh the personal peak reached out to me uh and i was on my 10-year anniversary trip um and i was like oh god like i want to interview him so bad just because i was like genuinely like is he doing okay <laughs> like that whole thing you know um but what was that like having people interview you while in the midst of this crazy thing i mean uh there was times when i'd be running and i would just kind of like um like zach bitter sent me a an instagram message and was like yeah dude i totally want to like let's have a chat and so like i just remember like opening that phone and i looked back at keely one of the other competitors and i and i said like zach bitter just sent me an instagram message like whose life am i living right now it was like i was just over the moon just so like so unbelievable to like be able to communicate and interact with these people who at, at one time were you know just superhumans they were giants and and now like i'm inching my way into that territory and it just like it feels i mean i feel like a a kid in a candy store i'm just living the dream that's amazing well is like zach giving you like advice or anything or like what's what's that conversation like i didn't get a chance to to check it out unfortunately uh so unfortunately when when he was uh interviewing i was i was still i was running on the track and it was raining so i didn't want to be like running with my phone so so I missed the, the interview. I watched it later, um, but it was, uh, it's just, you know, we talked about kind of his strategy. He's, he does some amazing things on the track. He's done the, the treadmill um, hundred mile world record. Yeah. So, I mean, the guy is just like, he's got a steel trap for a mind, you know, I mean, just to be able to run, like I've never run that sort of distance on a track before. In fact, like, I don't think I've ever even run a marathon on a track before. Um, so, <laughs> Like just to go through that was like to know that somebody else can do that for that long. It was just a a really neat to just be able to chat with him and kind of hear his perspective. Um, You know, like you try to, as much as you want to learn everything you can, you know, you just, you don't get the opportunities to spend uh, time in that space where you've been running on legs that are four days tired, where you've got, you've run 200 miles and now, you're running, you know, you don't get to be in that space very often. So, um, to, to hear about other people's experiences in that space, you can try to like build the model of what it's going to feel like. And then when you get there, you can say, okay, well, you know, they said that, um, you know, they felt like this and I can kind of, I definitely feel that, or maybe I feel worse or maybe I feel better. Um, and you just yeah. kind of try, try to like get all of the information you can. Um, and then that'll help, help you kind of navigate your way through. So you're not, just going in totally blind. Yeah. It was just a really neat. That's cool, man. I think it's so like what other sport is there where a legend, like you can be in the middle of doing it and asking people for advice, you know, especially people who are like absolute legends, incredible. Like I'm not playing basketball, shooting a layup and missing and be like, hold on, hold on a second. Let me call Michael Jordan really quick or anything like that. You know? 
Yeah. And you know, that's what's so neat about this sport is like everybody wants everybody else to succeed. Like um, when, you know, when Zach just recently did the treadmill uh, hundred miler, that was Dave Proctor's record at the time. And, you know, he came in on and, and while Zach was doing his show and, uh, you know, ch- talk to him because he, everybody wants to see this sport, like get better. They like, we want everybody to love it, you know, like join in. It's so fun. It's such a great way to stay fit and like, just see what your body can do. And so if we can push that limit of, you know, human performance and say like, it is possible to run, you know, a thousand kilometers in six days, maybe 1100 kilometers. Nobody's done that. Like maybe that is within the realm of possibility, you know, like every time somebody does something, it shifts the, like the whole world's thinking on what is actually possible. A, a really great example is the, uh, the backflip on a motorcycle. Um, you know, like that used to be, no, you can't do that. That's not possible. And then somebody did it and then everybody does it now. And now it's double backflip or triple backflip. You know, at <laughs> one time that was totally impossible. And now it's like commonplace. Yeah. So it's, as we get better, you know, like it's going to become like more commonplace, the four minute mile. Um, you know, if you can't run a four minute mile in, in college, then, you, you know, like that's kind of like the barrier of like, this is what the really fast people can do. And, yeah. You know, it used to be like nobody can do that. They used like, to be like, you're going to run 359 and then fall down dead. Yeah, exactly. So it's just like, um, I think I think a lot of it is the mental barriers that we put on ourselves because I don't think physically our bodies are getting any better. I mean, like maybe a little bit of progression, but in the last hundred years, have we really, have, have our bodies really gotten that much stronger? Um, you know, our tools perhaps have gotten better, but um you know, we just continue to get to go further and go faster, um, you know, year over year over year. So it's like, I think a lot of it is just a mental barrier that we've placed on ourselves and, uh, and physically we, we can do it. Yeah. We've always been able to do it. Well, and I feel like what you're doing, which is like, you're cracking these little codes, solving these tiny problems, uh, through each event and through each training run and stuff like that. Like that's how you get there. It's these little steps. It's not like, you know, there's not like one cure all that's going to make you run a thousand kilometers in six days. You know, it's not like, Oh, if I would have been eating pizza, I could have done this. You know, like it's, it's going to be all these tiny, 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 tiny things that you can only discover through trying it and trying again and trying again, like that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, you can, you can prepare and you can have the lessons as long as you're, you know, like learning more and and getting, you get better little bit by little bit. But if you're, you know, if you're just out there trial and erroring it and just, you know, continuing to do the same thing, um, you know, you're, you're kind of, you're cheating yourself a little bit, like you're putting in all this work and there's a ton of data that you're going to get to take away from it. You just have to be smart about, you know, how you're, you know, keep your variables smart. Like if you have like 14 different variables, you'll never know which one was the one that caused you. Yeah. So like, you know, if you're going to go out for a test run, um, you're going to be out on your feet anyway, like control the things you can control and then allow one variable and, and test it that way you can, and then do it again and again. And that way, you know, okay, I've got this dialed in. This was, even though this was, 
not our best six day performance. It was our best um, nutrition performance of any race that I've done. Um, I, I, we kind of are really getting that dialed in. And so that, that was a really great takeaway um, knowing that like of all the races that I've done so far, this is the one I felt most comfortable in the amount that I ate and, yeah. and how well I was able to kind of keep the food down and, and uh, continuously fuel. That's awesome. I do. I did want to hear like what went right during this, you know? Um, Cause I think you can also sometimes put too much emphasis on everything that went wrong, but like you just said with nutrition, if you recognize that that was really good or almost flawless, then that's something you can really nail down for next time. Yeah. Um, you know, we, there were a lot of things that, that definitely went well with this one. Um, like I said, the nutrition side of it, we, we definitely are getting that dialed in. So that, that felt really good knowing that, okay, if we just keep doing the same thing there, we're going to have success. Um, so that was, that was a good one. The mental side of things, this is a really good opportunity because, um, you know, I, it was like the end of day four, in which I, I struggled with a, I had a, an injury in my knee. And so now I have two days remaining in which, um, you know, I've, I, I've built this one up quite a bit. I, I talked a lot about it. I was really excited. I, I thought, um, I mean, I walked into this a hundred percent sure I was, I was walking away with this, with the national record. I, I was confident enough to say that I was going to try to go for a thousand. So I was, I was, uh, I really felt this one. And so to have two days remaining, um, where I know that, I mean, not that the world is watching, but there, there are people that I respect that I know are, are planned to come and talk. And I'm, you know, I've got two days and I'm in, I'm incapable of running. And so that was definitely that mental struggle that I, that I had to go through for that for the next two days. Um, you know, you really, you tend to beat yourself up um, or maybe I, I do. I will, you know, I'll negative self-talk myself when I get into the, you know, later days of a, of a difficult race, later stages, you, you know, you, you fall into these negative spaces and you, you start negative talking yourself like, you know, like, Oh, like, why are you doing this? Um, you know, like you're, you, who are you to think that you could do, go this far or like people are watching you and, and they're going to think this, or they're going to think that. And, you know, you, you, you just beat yourself up. And so like I had, I had a good solid two days to, to work through that. And, uh, you know, just kind of recognize that none of that is actually um, coming from the outside world. All of that is internalized inside, inside me. Um, and so I can, I have total control over that. And so that was like a kind of a, a great revelation that came from this one about how, you know, how, when I do go into negative spaces, how I got there and like how I can bring myself out a little bit better. So um, I'm not certain I'll, I'll not fall into that trap again, but if I do, um, you know, I feel better prepared in, in, in like how to navigate it and how to like work my way out, which is a, a, a really great takeaway, um, from this event. So that, that definitely went right. And, uh, yeah, blister care, like foot care <laughs> for extremely wet conditions. I, I definitely learned a lot about how to, uh, how my feet react, um, with that kind of condition and, and how I can better prepare, like, uh, in the future, like just to, if I know it's going to be wet, what can I do to my feet in advance yeah. to, to prevent them from getting there? Like maybe I'll start that grocery bag trick a little earlier. <laughs> what, um, when you're talking about negative self-talk, how, what strategies did you use to like, just 
snap yourself out of it because I think we've all been there where you're in this funk and you know it, you're like, I know I shouldn't be thinking this way, but I can't get myself out of it. Yeah. I mean, like that is such a huge struggle. Um, and I hear a lot of people talk about, you know, like when they get to that space and it's, it's hard, like it's hard even just to admit sometimes that you're being, you know, silly, like that you understand, like to, to know in your mind and to actually know, like know in your heart that you're being silly. Like you can say, Hey, this isn't real, but like it's still, you're inundated with these thoughts. And, uh, and so like, yeah, just for, for me, I just kind of like try to take a step back and go like, you know, look at, look at all the successes that you've had, like look at what you've done and like where you are. And like, even if you don't, even if you just, you know, like have to walk it in from here, um, you know, you, you still are going to, you've gone over 500 kilometers at this point, or I think, I think at the time that I was struggling, it was like 450 or 475, somewhere in there. So I'm like, you know, like, Hey, you know, think about that. Like talk to yourself from two years ago and tell them that you just ran 400 kilometers and that, he, you know, uh, Zach Bitter and um, Joe Fegis and all these, you know, heroes that you've looked up to are talking to you. They're talking to you, take the time out of their day to, to be involved in something you're doing. And so just like to be thankful for all that, you know, like this opportunity here I am on day four, you know, I'm injured, but I'm not out of the game. I can still walk. So, you know, just, and like in all the experience and all the knowledge and learning that I'm going to gain over the next two days, um, about a six day, uh, you know, like all of that, I was just grateful for. And so that kind of like, just, that was kind of like the turning point where I was like, okay, you know, this is, this is a failure. It's okay to have failures. Um, even though the word is a scary word, um, as long as you're not, you don't classify yourself as a failure. Yeah. Like I'm not, I'm not a failure, but this project was a failure. Um, you know, we didn't, we did not reach the goal and that's okay. Um, you know, it takes, if, if all you had were successes, then life would be pretty dull, right? Yeah, um, for sure, man. You know, you, you got to have those those challenges are what help you learn and grow. And so, um, you know, to go through this, that was kind of like my turning point to say, okay, you know, you you didn't reach your goal, but you still you still had all of this other stuff that you got along the way. Um, you know, so like just be thankful for that, and and then now you get to take that all of that experience. And you get to do it again and you get yeah. to try again. And, and next time you'll be, you'll be better. You'll be more prepared. It'll be easier. Hopefully. <laughs> Fingers crossed. So, um, yeah. It'll like, snow I next guess. time on you. It'll be like July and then, and then Canada will just be like, nope. You think you're going for this? No. Yeah. yeah I, I was so. <laughs> it, yeah. I was like, the rainstorm was the the first day and then like i think day three we had tornado alerts like conditions it was just so windy it was like all right cool i, I bet on day five it's gonna snow we'll we'll see fingers crossed this could be fun <laughs> that's amazing man well dude it just I, what you're talking about is so important i think and just kind of like redefining the idea of a failure where it's like any experience, like you can draw worth from any experience, you know, like you could, you could leave this experience with so much knowledge 
just like you were talking about, or if your mindset was different, you could have left the experience just being like, oh, that was completely worthless and taken nothing away. And I think the choice to be like, no, like every experience is worthwhile. I'm going to learn stuff and I'm going to become better each and every time. Like that is just such a wonderful mindset to have. Yeah, exactly. If you, if I was to walk away and, and not take any information or any lessons from this, then that would be the real failure. That would have been a, a big waste of yeah. uh, six days and, and a lot of money. So <laughs> I think um, that would have been, you know, that's silly, you know, like it was, it's six days of my life or however many days I'm going to get on this earth, you know, six of them were spent doing that. So like, yeah, take, take the lessons from it and, and uh, you know, next time if, if, if I, if I didn't take any lessons and I tried to do it again, I'd be in the same position and I'd out of wasted another six days. So yeah, exactly, man. Well, what did it feel like that last like two minutes when you're still on the track and you're like, this is going to end in two minutes. Like, what does that feel like? I'm, I was pretty excited. I, I really took it easy on day six. Um, the, the swelling in my ankle, I gotten pretty bad. So the last, um, the last hour I walked it out, and, you know, it was, it was very uncomfortable, and, but it was, it was excellent to see um, Keely and Derek both. It was their first time at a six day. Um, so, you know, just to, there were a lot of people that came out to watch the finish, you know, like, um, I mean, a lot, I, maybe like 10 or 15, uh, but, you know, it felt like a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, it, it, people were cheering and then we had, uh, you know, the, the Facebook live video feed going. So it just kind of, you feel like a champion, even, even though, you know, you didn't reach the goal, it was, you still like, people are there, people are excited. They're, they're, you know, telling you that, you know, you inspired them to, you know, get out and go for a run or like you, they want to, they want to do something like this. So they, you know, that that's that right there. Just, it fills you just with so much, uh, excitement and just gratitude. Like that's, that's really what it's all about. Right. Like if, yeah. if I could inspire somebody to do, to go out and try to like, even if their hobby isn't running, if they just go and, and decide like, Hey, I can, I, if I commit myself to something, um, you know, fully, I could actually do it, you know, really well. Like, you know, so whatever, whatever your passion is, if you, you know, just really dive into it. If you do the work little bit by little bit, you're going to, um, you know, you're going to get there. Like nobody just trips and, you know, I'm an astrophysicist. <laughs> I picked you know, up you a gotta, guitar the first time and I was Jimi Hendrix. No big deal. <laughs> exactly. Right. You practice and practice and practice. And, and if you do the work, you will, you'll get there. You'll just, yeah. you know, like you can go as far as you want to go. You just have to want to go there. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Well, just to kind of wrap up, are you able to walk now? Like, was that ever a problem? What did it feel like, you know, the last couple of weeks or the last week, I guess? Yeah, we're about a, a, like, what, like week and two days out from the finish. Um, yeah, I've already been, I've been hopping on the spin bike. Um, I've done a couple like little two kilometer jogs. It's, is there, is there, the knee's still not ready to run yet. So yeah. I've been hanging out on a spin bike. Um, and just doing some like mobility training and stuff for my ankle and knee and hip, just getting back into the swing of things. We'll be, we'll be back on the road probably in a, in a week or two. Yeah. That's crazy, man. If you tell people who don't really like pay attention to ultra running, uh, how quickly you actually recover, 
it just blow like it's my it's mind blowing where you're like no in like two or three weeks like i'll probably be out running and all that stuff again <laughs> you, you know um it's after after a really great race uh i might be back to running like the next day or the day after uh it like it on the way home from um across the years last year i was with my brother we were just kind of like having a fun road trip and we pulled over and I went, I rock climbed in some sandals. I was like, this rock face looks super fun. So I just scramble up this rock face and sandals the, the very next day. That's amazing. So, man. Well, Hey man, uh, congrats. Seriously. Like that event was so, it was really inspiring to just watch and check in and, and for me realize you know, I was, it was pretty much the whole entire time I was on my 10th anniversary trip with my wife. And for me to be like, he's still, he's still out there running. Like that is insane. And the whole entire trip, I was like, I would be like, Oh, should I wake up and go for a run before my wife wakes up? I'm like, ah, I, I think I should. So, so yeah, man, congrats. Well, I'm glad I could be a part of your anniversary, <laughs> but I hope your wife doesn't want to throttle me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Well, oh, also, you know, next time you attempt this, if you want to, uh, I can fly out and like once every hour you, I can run by you and you can throw like an elbow or something, you know, yeah, there like, we go. get yeah, into the 1800, really 1870 spirit, throw some uppercuts and stuff. Oh my gosh. I just had an idea for a race. Are you gonna no share way. <laughs> yeah, like an, M- an MMA six day. Oh, dude. Just like okay. In a cage. <laughs> I got to tell you about this. Um, shoot, man. This is me just trying to wing it, wing it right now. Hold on. There's some show on Netflix that just came up. Oh, it's called Home Game. Yeah, that's what it's called. So it's called Home Game. Have you seen this yet? Like the preview? I, I haven't. It? I've seen oh. the preview for the show, but I've, I've not seen it. Okay, you gotta watch the first episode. It's probably the craziest thing I've ever seen. Like sport-wise, it's this sport in Italy that is a mixture of rugby and MMA, and it was created in like the 1500s during a siege of the of Rome, no Florence. And basically, these guys, there's like all the guys in the in the center of the field, which is basically this dirt like this dirt area all these guys in the center literally just stand up and just start punching each other throwing kicks and then if you get knocked down you have to stay on the ground until the team scores it was crazy man like you just got to see it to believe it It it's insane (laughs) oh my gosh that's crazy yeah but it's the first the first episode and it's one of the craziest things i think i've ever seen i can't even remember what the sport's called and i'd probably like uh obviously like butchered the name so but huge recommendation there <laughs> you, you know my friend q he's been trying to get me she's been talking about these uh man versus horse races we were we were chatting about that <laughs> there's like because you race a horse or um catch it catch an antelope <laughs> uh yeah there's these crazy challenges like that that uh that people are doing so I don't know. Maybe we, we maybe we do bring back the uh, the old style six day races where we're throwing elbows. There Let's go. get Joe Joe Rogan involved. He'd love that. It's there you go. Six day. Yeah, he could totally be the announcer. You know. Yes. <laughs> awesome, All right, man. Joe. Well, if you're listening. 
yeah joe obviously you're listening duh yeah, like he doesn't me up on instagram let's do this it's not like he doesn't spend 20 hours a week recording podcasts. Like that guy has no time to listen to podcasts, guaranteed. <laughs> okay. He does that um, sensory deprivation training. I really want to try some of that. Have you ever done it? I, no, but I, like I, I love trying all the new things, like just to kind of like every, people always have these tools that they give them the edge. And so like, I, I would be really, really excited to try. So if anybody is listening has, knows where I can find a sensory deprivation chamber, let's do this. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, Hey chef, man, we'll, we'll catch back up to you in the future for sure. Oh yeah. We're going to be six day in here pretty soon. I'm certain of it. All as, right, soon as, man. as soon as the, maybe a real race is, is happening. I'm going to six day. Let's definitely do it. dude. That sounds awesome. All right, man. We'll talk to you later. Yeah, Chris, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks, man. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that wraps up the show this week. Huge thanks to Shep for coming back on. Uh, Always a pleasure talking with him. Like I said, I could talk to that dude for hours. He's so knowledgeable. I love the growth mindset. Um, And I also love just the complete passion and kind of competition that he... It seems like he has this great competition with himself, really, at the end of the day, and he wants to be the best of the best. And I love that so much. I think that's so cool. Something I look up to definitely an admirable trait when you, when you find that in a person. Um, so yeah, so best of luck to him as he pursues. This is something I will definitely be following along the journey. Um, and I, I do think those little nuggets of wisdom you gain along the way is the whole point of the journey. Um, I don't, I don't know the exact poem and I'm not a poet or a dude who recites poetry. Um, So the poem I'm referring to is one found in the bathroom at my mom's house where I grew up. Uh, (laughs) And I don't know, I can't remember the whole entire poem, but basically the last line was, uh, the joy is in the journeying, not in the journey's end. And it had a boat on it. I always remember that boat. And I've taken that to heart. Like it is, it really is like you, the whole time you're training for something and you're like, dude, I cannot wait until I get to that finish line. And then you get to the finish line and you're freaking ecstatic for a few minutes or maybe an hour or maybe even a day. But eventually that excitement fades and what you're left with is everything else, right? You got to that peak, but the climb up the mountain is the most important part. It's the part where you learn lessons. It's the part um, that drives you. It's the part where you can kind of um, find your passion and pursue it and and learn the things that it's going to take you or that's going to lead you to success. Um, but the lessons you learn is, is the most important part. Um, and I, I just, I really enjoyed that, that, uh, Shep kind of had that, that kind of, um, mindset going in and especially leaving an event as well, especially an event where you didn't necessarily reach the level you wanted to reach, but you know, this is just another waypoint, uh, along the journey. And that's where the joy is found. And that's where, where the growth is found. So, uh, I think that's super cool, man. Um, side note segue. I saw two rattlesnakes on the trail this morning, getting it on freaked me out. 
I don't know why that fits into the end of this podcast, but I just had to get that off my chest. Uh, <laughs> me and a couple guys have been running on a local mountain um, every week, and it was hilarious. I saw someone put a video on Instagram of a rattlesnake on North Table Mountain, and I was like, oh my God. And I even joked with with Tim. I was like, dude, I can't wait for our run tomorrow morning because it was like a rattlesnake in the dark was the video. And we're like, ha, 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 ha. You know, I haven't, I barely seen them up there and I know they're up there all the time. Like there's warnings and, and all this stuff. And I'd never seen them. And I've been on that trail like hundreds of times at this point. Um, and we rounded a corner and a bike rider rode by and she's like, yeah, like I heard a noise. I think it was a rattlesnake. I was too scared to look. And I was like, I totally relate to all of the things you just said. Like there, I just go blank and fear takes over my whole entire body. <laughs> um, but she's like, so be on the lookout. And we rounded the corner and there were these two rattlesnakes just like wrapped around each other rattling away right smack dab in the middle of the trail and i was just like what is happening and it was kind of cool like i'm gonna be honest like anytime you witness a david attenborough documentary but in real life it's super cool um at the same time though terrifying snakes freak me out if anyone has any tips on how to get over a fear of snakes i would love to uh to uh, get some knowledge there. So anyways, it was cool. And that's, is kind of, you know, one of the reasons why you go out and go trail running is for that adventure. Even if it's a really brief adventure, that's only for, you know, four minutes as you're watching these snakes go at it. Um, <laughs> and you're about ready to pass out due to fear curl up. I was, I told, I told the guys I was running with, I was like, man, if you guys weren't here, I would have just curled up and started crying in the corner over there. So thank you guys for being here. Um, but yeah, anyways, hope you guys are out. Hope you're finding an adventure. Uh, like I said in the intro, I have a bunch of these recorded and they're, um, they're super cool episodes. Like it's the conversations and the guests that have been coming on and the things they're sharing is, has always throughout this whole project been blowing me away. But uh, I just have a lot right now as it dude on a teacher on summer break so uh we'll be releasing two next week so expect the next one to come out tuesday and then the one after that is gonna come out uh either friday or saturday so anyways expect those come back they're good stuff uh yeah we'll talk to you guys later see ya